Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along this week, of course, by my venerable co-hosts, Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? And my brother, Aaron. What's up, bitches? <laughs> and this evening, as we record the show, uh, just really quick, I wanted to say, um, uh, let me see what, today's Friday as we record the show, show, so yesterday we found out the news that the greatest tag team wrestler of all time passed away. Bobby Eaton, beautiful yes. Bobby Eaton, a terrible loss for the world and for professional wrestling and a I posted on our, in our group that uh, essentially, you know, there's been a lot of great tag team wrestlers and a lot of great tag teams, but there was only one greatest tag team wrestler. And in my opinion, that was beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, oh, yeah. And from all accounts, from anybody you've ever talked to, anyone you ever heard from, one of the nicest, kindest, um, Never, nobody had a bad thing to say about Bobby Eaton. You know, yeah. I mean, just um, and, what a and- performer and what a loss. And he is, um, not to discredit you or whatever, but he's my, he, like, you know, when people say like A1, A2, you know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of thing. Like these guys are interchangeable to being like the top guys. He's, he's my A1, A2 of tag team wrestling right at, like you could interchange him and Owen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that also speaks to the fact that like with Owen, they say you never heard a bad thing said about the guy. And that speaks to the fact of a great tag team partner is an unselfish human being. And right. Bobby Eaton was an unselfish wrestler. Very he unselfish. Had no problem putting anybody over or doing mm-hmm. whatever. He and uh, I mean, you, you look at the, you look at the teams he was in, obviously the midnight express with both, both Dennis Condry and Stan Lane. Yep. Um, you have the team Eaton, uh, uh, sorry, Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson um, yep. in the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, well, he had a, a, you know, he also teamed with Austin some, but more, more, he's more associated with Arn Anderson and that team. The oh, Blue definitely. Bloods, the Blue Bloods with Steve Regal. What a tag yeah. team! Bad um, dude with Steve Kearns. Yeah. Him and Coco. Him and Coco. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's in the front. Um, 
it's a guy that Rick Flair was like, I want to, I want to work with that guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I want to work with him. You, you hear the word tag team specialist get thrown around uh, about just about anybody nowadays. You know, he can work with anybody. Bobby Eaton made everybody shine, and he didn't care if it came at his expense. Uh, two different occasions that show that is one when. Jim Cornette and Stan Lane walked out on NWA, WCW, and Bobby still had time left on his contract. Bobby was ready to go. He's like, Jim, what do we do? Let's go. I'm with you guys. And Jim was like, no, you got a family. You got you got a contract still for six months. You stay here and do your thing. And he was like, are you sure? You know, and then another time with, again, the Midnight Express, when Jim called Bobby to ask permission to use the name for Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. Bobby was like, hey, Jim, you created that. That's up to you. You, you want to use it? Go ahead. You have my permission. He was the, a giving per- person to the, to the end. And Aaron, to something that Aaron said to, to mention Flair again, I think um, uh, I'm a member of a couple of historical society uh, Facebook groups. I can't remember which one it was, but one of the historians in one of the uh, groups the other day posted that at one of the conventions, uh, Steve Kern during a speech, said that the greatest professional... He said to him, the greatest professional wrestler of all time was Bobby Eaton. And the guy that posted this said the first person that stood up to clap for that statement was Ric Flair. Ric Flair, yep. So, I mean, that, you know, again, speaks volumes to the talent and the man that was Bobby Eaton. And uh, we raise a frosty beverage to the memory of beautiful Bobby. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Bobby. Our hearts out to Bill Dundee as well, who has lost both his daughter and his son-in-law. In that uh, she was married to Bobby, she passed away a few months ago, and uh, then Bobby this past week. So, anything else on that, guys? Before we get on to something positive, God feed Bobby. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, as you know, I'll do one more thing here, real quick, and then uh, Archie. It's Archie. Archie's the man this week. It's his show, but we. Uh, we are going to be October 2nd, Heroes and Legends Wrestling, the convention, and tickets are on sale now. If you are going to be in the Fort Wayne, Indiana area in October, Heroes and Wrestling, heroesandlegendswrestling.com. Go get your tickets. Come out to see the We Can't Wrestle podcast there. Maybe you'll be on the show. That would be, that would be fun. Have, I'll be selling um, for $1 autographed by myself. Pictures of Joey Mags. <laughs> yes. And, and also, also, I will be sending Aaron things to give away for free. I will be autographing pictures of hard work, hard work Bobby Walker. So, But those will be free. If you buy Aaron's Joey Mag picture, you get the Bobby Walker picture for free. And I will be autographing 8x10 pictures of Archie Mitchell. So there you go. Damn it. <laughs> Those get $5. Poses. Yes, yes. Those get $5, though. Mr. October has a secret. <laughs> and it's in his bum. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, all right. You guys ever see Chuck and Larry? Remember the fireman's uh, yes. calendar? That's every picture is me in a different month in a fireman's outfit. <laughs> Well, we always keep it classy here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yes. But we're going to get into the meat of the matter. Here we are doing our dream rosters. Last year, 
last year, last week, Aaron presented us with his roster from 1989, which we all heralded as such a fantastic roster. It was. It was. Right. Great work as usual. Yeah. And this now week, I'm fast-forwarding 10 years if I'm anything, I'm... <laughs> This week, Archie is regaling us with his roster, and he chose the year 1998. 98. Yes. Nine years after Aaron's roster. Flash was talent in 98. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was hard a to big, pick. I had to chop a few guys off the roster. A big year in wrestling with the uh, the rise of Stone Cold, the NWO really hot, Goldberg coming up, um, Degeneration X, a lot of stuff going on in 1998, and a lot, like you said, a lot of talent to choose from in their prime, too. A lot of guys in their prime during this time. So I'm fascinated to see where you go with this, Archie. Well, you'll... Sorry to say there is not a single NWO member on my roster. Um, but I kind of felt like they were busy in WCW, so I didn't want to bother them. Um, <laughs> Archie's, just, show, Archie's show is not provided by the New World, World, World Order. Order. Right. Right. So to start us off, um, I went with, I decided to pick from the main three rosters of the big three promotions in the United States. That being ECW, WWF, and WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in no particular order, except for starting with ECW and then working my way back. Uh, so the first man I picked up, um, he was a fantastic singles wrestler, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, former tag team champion in the WWF, and a former ECW tag team champion as well. Spent a little time in Smoky Mountain as well. Um, I am picking up no gimmicks needed, Chris Candido. All right. A great Uh, pull. Chris was on fire in 98 in ECW, having great matches with Lance Storm and even Mikey Whipwreck. And that's not a shot at Mikey, but, I mean, Chris was pretty much fighting everybody on the roster. Uh, And I think, uh, using a little trick from Aaron... If I pick up Chris, that means I get Tammy as well. And you um, just went, went for the jugular right away. Yeah, yeah. Your entire roster picture up. <laughs> <laughs> most, most. <laughs> uh, second on that list, keeping with the ECW well, theme. Are you? Um, oh, go, go. Sorry. Um, in 98, Chris was ripped to the gills, man. Yeah, he was. Like, mm-hmm. like, he was short, but he was fucking ripped. He, he, he used to do moves in that ring that you don't see anybody do nowadays. That and top he, rope powerbomb was unbelievable. He was, like like I said, he was chiseled as fuck. Like, yeah. I know he was only like 5'9 or whatever, but god damn. And he could go. It wasn't just like a 10-minute match. That, that guy could have stayed in that ring 30 minutes if you wanted to mm-hmm. and had great are, matches. Are you using him as a heel or a face? Well, that's what my next two picks are going to uh, be about. Okay. Um, I am using him as a heel uh, because my second pick is a former ECW World and World Television Champion, as well as WCW Hardcore Champion, the Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow. You can't go wrong with Bammer. No, you can't. No, you can't. Um, arguably, I mean, the debate always comes up. To me, he's my favorite big man wrestler of all time. I'm not going to say to anybody else that he's the greatest. It is what it is. It's all personal preference. But 
if I have a raw, if I have a year that I have Bam Bam Bigelow available, he's going to be on my roster too. Definitely. And and the thing about him is he's versatile in that you can put Bammer in there with say, and I'm just pulling a name out here, thinking of '98. You can put Bammer in there with John Tenta, right? Or you can put him in there with Bret Hart. And either way, you're going to get a good match. Oh, yeah. And you can put him in there as a face or a heel. And, right. I mean, it just he doesn't get enough credit for as good as he was. Well, see, that's the thing. When it comes to Bam Bam, I don't want to say he's my absolute favorite, but he is right up there with Vader. It's Bam Bam and Vader. And watching them mm-hmm. in New Japan made it even better because you got them fighting each other and then them teaming together, which was, like, unbelievable. Right. So, you know... And he's from Jersey, as is Candido. So, you know, my company is going to be based solely in New Jersey, except for when we have big shows and have to go for, like, gonna, interviews. So You're going you're gonna to do big shows in that place in Cherry Hill? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm hiring the two announcers from the NWA show. Oh, you gotta hire that. you got to hire that fucking ring announcer, too, that goofy-looking yep. bastard. <laughs> it looked like the guy. Look at like the guy that does the twelve to six a.m. radio shift. <laughs> Any thoughts on Bam Bam, uh, Aaron? Uh, Bam Bam's a good pull, and um, like Nate said, you, you can do whatever you want with him. Right. Whatever you put him into, he's gonna fucking perform. <clears throat> My third pick, filling out this trio. I'm sure you understand where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> former WCW United States and tag team champion. Former ECW world and world television champion. And he was a stand-in for the world tag team champions when Johnny Gunn got hurt. <clears throat> He's a, for, a former dynamic dude, former school teacher when he was known as Dean. The franchise Shane Douglas is rounding out the triple threat in my company. He's he's moved on from being in the Dungeon Dudes at this right. point. Right. Back in eighty nine when right. he was in the Dungeon Dudes. So he's right. he's gotten rid of the the BDSM gimmick. And uh he's now in a jer- in a Jersey triad. Well, I guess he's not from Jersey, but you know what I mean. Well he's from Pittsburgh, so that's close. Yeah, close enough. He's in an East Coast triad. Right. Right. And I figure with Shane, that also brings me Francine. So I kind of got a little uh, chance of a cat fight between Tammy and Francine every now and then. Aaron? Shane's a good pull. Is Shane your top heel? No, Shane is not my top heel. I am going to keep Shane as a mid to higher heel in that when I introduce my United States or World Television title, Shane will be the one holding it. Uh, and that's he's that's, like he's kind of like your workhorse, right? Right. And that's generally where I would would use Shane too. I, I like I've always said I've always said if if he wasn't in ECW, I didn't. I only dug him in ECW. Other than that, to me, he was always just a mid card guy or top of the mid card guy. So that's probably where I use right. him too. And then you've got if you're going to hook him up with Candido and Bigelow. Then you know he's got he can uh, they can do some heel shit you know right some beat downs and and all that jazz right so going against um, the triple threat here and there is my next pick 
and it is the former and longest ECW World Television Champion, Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam. Who was also in, oh man, from 97 to, what do you say, 03 was probably his prime, you know, his prime years where he was doing his best work. Um, And he's another guy you can use a face or a heel, you know, and either way. What I would and, I would like to see though as a setup would be Shane wins the title wins whatever the secondary title is going to be, and mm-hmm. Rob comes out taking a spotlight a little bit and sort of like, you know, franchise you've never faced me, right? You know, so <sighs> kind of leans on that he could like he's a tweener. He's not really saying he's a face, but he's getting in Shane Shane Douglas's face and you know they're trading jabs a little, which is a good role for Rob. Yeah. Um, because Rob, Rob's Rob was one of those guys, or I guess I, he's not dead or anything. Rob is one of those guys that has always been good at <clears throat> being an his, asshole. Well, yeah, his character, yes, much like The Rock, his character doesn't change whether he's a babyface or a heel. Right. right. He just is either cheered or not cheered, and it depends on who he's feuding with. You know. Now the good part about getting ninety eight Rob Van Dam means I don't have to get Katie Forbes. So I could leave her wherever she was in 1998. <laughs> Whatever corner she was in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finally from ECW, the final pick from Extreme Championship Wrestling. Um, this was just before he made the jump, but he was on fire with matches with Masato Tanaka for the ECW World Heavyweight title. My final pick is Mike Awesome. Yeah, one of my favorites of all time. Awesome Mike Awesome. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 go I, ahead, Aaron. I was going to say this. If Shane's not your top heel, fucking Mike Awesome needs to be, brother. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That is. And see, that in my opinion, Awesome was just, he was booked incredible in ECW. He was he was a, a powerhouse. He was able to fly, and he was dastardly. When he got to WCW, except for when he beat the crap out of Kevin Nash for five minutes, after that he was just a fat Jack Thriller and missed that 70s guy. They didn't know what to do with him. You just let awesome Mo guys down, and if he's got to grab the mic, only let him be on it for 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, sort of like yeah. Sid. You don't let him talk that much because he's not going to say anything that relevant up until, you know, he makes a mistake. And then, you know, ruins yeah, everything. Well, he, uh, he, he's definitely a guy you want to you, you stick a mouthpiece with him, you know, right. like they did with Jeff, Judge Jeff Jones. Right. But also, I, and, and this is just a, a retrospect talking here, but I don't understand why he never took off in the WWF during the invasion time because it almost seemed like they wanted him to because they let him be the first quote-unquote WCW wrestler to invade Madison Square Garden, you know? like And win a title. Yeah, and but it just, he just kind of got lost in that shuffle and never, never rose above the crop in that whole deal. Like, it seems like he would be the perfect, you know, fit for the WWF. I agree. I agree. Vince, Vince didn't see enough in him, I guess. I don't want to get lost in the weeds. 
but you know what I think it was? What's that? Honestly. Um, I think it goes back to what we talked about with Brian Lee. Like, you know what you're talking about, Brian Lee, where um, Vince told Cornette, like, hey, this guy is going to be the undertaker, and Brian Lee was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll do that, and he just fucking left. I, I, <coughs> I honestly think that probably the like Triple H's and Stephanie's and the Vince's were like, oh, this guy was willing to just walk out. Just walk out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that Mike Awesome probably got the stigma of not being reliable. That and that's a possibility. You're right. But regardless of that, fantastic performer. Oh, he's fucking great. Like, Mike Awesome's like Sid Vicious with fucking moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, this guy's like, worry. This guy's Sid, but he can work. You don't got to worry about him jumping off the top rope. He ain't gonna, <laughs> yeah. he ain't gonna catch his leg underneath him. <laughs> but he might fold JT Smith in half. Oh yeah, which was fan. Like that's how he's looked at, at Mike Awesome. Was he was Sid Vicious with fucking ability, right? But he also he got traded in Japan and didn't really see the light of the United States until he came to ECW. Before then, he was FMW and. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. he got a he got a better understanding being a wrestler. Where was Sid? Where was Sid before he went to W to NWA? Memphis. Memphis, Memphis, right? And he probably got trained right, but he just didn't care to learn, right? You know, yeah, well, it's softball season, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was training for softball more than he was wrestling. <laughs> so, uh, next coming out of WCW. He is a former ECW World Tag Team Champion, WCW World Tag Team, United States, and World Heavyweight Champion, but he relinquished the title one day after he won it, and a former WWF World Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion. He is the crippler, Chris Benoit. Um, Another guy that at this time in his prime... um... I mean, his prime was a little longer than most people's right. prime just because he was so damn talented. Right. But um, Benoit at this time, um, easily, easily top five wrestler in the world. Right. Um, 98. 90, was he, in, he was in the Horseman for most of 98, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, he was having yeah. matches with uh, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Jericho. And they were stealing Nitro, basically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the NWO. It was Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero having a knockdown, drag-out, 25-minute match. And that's what I was going to say. That's what he's going to give you on your card. When this guy comes out, <clears throat> you know right. you're getting your a good long match of the night. Right. And it's going to be a good match, no matter who he's in the ring with. And, yeah, I mean... To have him on your roster in '98 is is a must-have, really. Look, we're, we're we're not excusing what happened. He's a a horrible human being, but he was in '98. He was a great wrestler. And yeah, and, were, and you, you, know. you have you have to when you're talking about 
the product and talking about the business, you at a certain point, I don't know when it was, I started being able to differentiate Chris Benoit the wrestler from Chris Benoit the person and start to talk more about him and his legacy and what he did contribute because he did contribute to the wrestling business. He contributed a lot to the wrestling business. Yes, he did. And, you know, and I mean, there's no doubt about that. And yeah, yeah, the end was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was horrific. Right. Aaron? Uh, I'm going to say this about Benoit. Um, it's kind of what Nate said. Was he... I shouldn't say was he. He is probably the worst um, I, oh, I don't want to say he's the worst human being ever in professional wrestling. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, 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 that, and that's a big statement because there's Bob Sweet Tan and there's Bucky Moth and all that shit. Chris Benoit's on that list but his contribution to professional wrestling should not be dismissed. Exactly. Right. Do, like, yes, because it's... Chris, it, Chris it's, Benoit was a perfect professional wrestler. And if you're looking at building a roster in 1998 eyes, fucking why wouldn't you want this guy? Right. Mm-hmm. And... um. I don't want to dismiss. I, I don't want to say it like, okay, I'm going to dismiss what he did because what he did was fucking terrible. But I also don't think what he contributed should be erased. No, definitely not. No, and that that's what I was about to say. Essentially, what I'd say is acknowledge the matches. Right. Acknowledge the talent. Watch the matches. Enjoy the matches if you can. If you can't, that's fine. But so, in other words, acknowledge what Benoit was to the business. Do you ever put him, give him the honor of being in a Hall of Fame? No, because because that's an honor. You know what I mean? You don't. Right. You don't. You right. don't. You don't do that. But you can. You can at least appreciate <laughs> the, the body of work. The, don't applaud the person, but applaud what he did. Right. Yes. You have to. You That's have to know did. a barrier. No, of course. It, of it's kind of like dynamite. Like dynamite isn't as bad as Chris Benoit, but would I tell you that Dynamite Kid was a great person? No, Dynamite Kid was a fucking piece of shit. Right. But he contributed so much to professional wrestling. You know what he I mean? Changed it. Definitely he changed it. Definitely. <laughs> Him and Tiger Mask changed it. Yeah. And Definitely. Definitely. So yes, we got off, we got off on a tangent as we always do. But oh, but that's if allowed. If it's 1998 and you're building a a professional wrestling roster, obviously you want the best professional wrestler on said roster, Chris Benoit. And he was the A one, A two, professional wrestler in '98. I couldn't agree more. I that's why when looking at that roster, when I was looking at WCW, I was like, you know what? I don't need a Flair. I don't need a Hogan because I'm I'm building my company from the ground up, and I know what happened after 98 with those guys. 
which mm-hmm. I love Flair, and I'm wearing a Hogan shirt right now, but it's I want to build from where I know guys that are going to go up and not right. just start pissing people off and using their creative control or their, you know, getting on a tissy fit because they told them they're not main eventing tonight, you know. Absolutely. Right. Next up on the list it, from, go ahead, go ahead. Gonna, I, I was gonna ask a question, but I won't. Go okay. ahead, ask. Is Eddie on your roster? Yes, he is. God damn right. He's the <laughs> A one A two of that fucking ninety eight. Well, just before Eddie coming in at the number two pick from WCW, he held a plethora, a plethora of titles in WCW and in WWF. And I feel he wasn't used right in the WWF. He is the man of a thousand holds, Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko is... Uh, Nate knows my love of Dean Malenko. Yeah. Well, I was going to let you talk about Dean Malenko because of your love of Dean Malenko. <laughs> He's fucking great. <laughs> How eloquent. <laughs> Aaron, you're such a wordsmith. <laughs> no, Dean Malenko, okay, Dean was the guy that you could say, like, oh, Eddie was, like, flashy and great, and Chris was, like, fundamentally awesome, and this, that, and the other, but fucking Dean, Dean had everything. Everything. Like everything. Like was he was he a great talker? No. Okay. He had his moments though. I'm talking in the ring. Oh, there no, is, in the ring there wasn't anyone that could touch him. There is not a finer polished professional wrestler than fucking Dean Malenko. He was and, fucking great. And I wanna and, tell you. I'll tell and, you. And tell every you. everything that fucking dude did in the ring was perfect. Like, Dean Malenko, I I can't even put into words how much I loved Dean Malenko as a professional wrestler. That guy was perfect. Like, I've never, I've seen Eddie Guerrero matches where I'm like, eh, and, and I'm not not downplaying Eddie Guerrero, and I'm and I've seen Chris Benoit matches where I've seen flaws and shit, but I've never seen a Dean Malenko match where I was just like, I saw a flaw in it. That dude was perfect. No, and here was the great thing about Dean too: you could tell when he didn't have a good match with somebody if it was somebody else's fault or something didn't go perfectly. He wore it on his sleeve. Like, he'd slink out of the ring and just be like, no, I don't care. And just walk to the back because he wasn't, it wasn't at his absolute best. So he took it out on himself. He wasn't this cocky guy that was like, ah, the fans are just going to get whatever they want. I whatever I can do, I don't give a shit. He busted his ass. We're, you know what I mean? We're told, we're told a lot of the time, most of the time, actually, and most of the time it rings true, we're told that to be to be super over as a pro wrestler you have to have it in the ring and you have to have it on the stick and Dean Malenko was so good in the ring didn't fucking matter 
it, didn't care. Yeah, didn't he didn't. He didn't need it on the stick. You as an example, it. as an example, if you've never seen it, folks, go back and watch. I think it's Slamboree '98 with the Battle Royal, where D. Malenko yep. dresses a Seco play. Yep, and he takes that mask off, and oh, there, man. there is rarely in '98 a bigger pop for anybody but Austin that is as big as that pop that he fucking got that night at, I think it's Slamboree 98. Yep. yep. And it's insane. It's absolutely, that crowd goes fucking nuts. That's, that might be one of the most over angles WCW ever did in its entire company history. The pop, the look on Jericho's face, and then the hush that comes over the crowd before he nails Jericho. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like for months, all Jericho did was shit talk, and now he's face to face with the guy who was doing it too. You know what I mean? And seeing Dean in the Cyclopay outfit was weird, but <laughs> knowing that you know when, like, I'm sure we all watched it, and Hoovy jumps out of the ring and is like, "Yeah, go get him!" Like, what the fuck's going on here? Why is Cyclopay going to fight Chris Jericho? And then the mask came off, and it was like, "Yes!" You know, well, there's like, a, the, the funny thing is, there's a guy that's in that. In that match, it's like a just like a generic guy, yep. like El Grande Luchador or something. Yep. And originally, yep. that's who they were going to make be Malenko, but whoever it was decided no, that would be too obvious. <laughs> well, of course. So they decided to put him in the Seco play outfit right. to try kind of throw everybody off. Now the funny thing is, is I believe El Grande Luchador was Billy Kidman. Ah, at this okay. point, they didn't have anything for Billy Kidman. He wasn't in the flock yet. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't really a big name yet. So they just kept throwing him under a mask on Nitro and making him fight with, like, Uvi and tag matches or something like that. So, and, and, and not to go back to, like, the, the depressing thing about Bobby Eaton, but Dean is in the same breath of, like, a Bobby Eaton. That I agree. Um, professional wrestling fans, like non-hardcore fans or whatever might not necessarily might say, oh, Dean Malenko is a fucking bomb. And they gotta do is boring or whatever. Nope. But <laughs> um, Bell to Bell fucking god damn, this, like, any any professional wrestler is gonna tell you that Dean Malenko is a fucking man. You know what I mean? Like, that 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 crew of, like, Jericho, Eddie, Benoit, they're going to tell you that fucking Dean was the man. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I guarantee all of them would tell you that fucking Dean Malenko was better than any of them. You know how you could tell fans respected Dean Malenko when he shows up on AEW as an agent and they see him still come to the ring? They're still popping for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's an AEW younger audience. It's a legacy. You know? So he's, you know... It's it. That's again in '98. That's who you want on your roster. And I also feel that with Benoit and Malenko having ties to Douglas and the Triple Threat, it gives me a big feud to where Shane could be like, "I made you guys in ECW, and you took off on me." And then when I was coming to WCW, we were in Revolution. You guys took off on me again. You know what I mean? You ran to the WWF, and that, so. And that- and now that you've joined me here in Archie Mitchell's New Jersey Wrestle Bash Federation. Oh, I've got a name, but it's not oh. being told yet. But I like <laughs> your name. I like your name. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. All right, go ahead. 
I'm uh, I'm I'm good. I, I like your name. We got to rethink it. Give me one <laughs> second. So now, as Aaron said earlier, can't have a roster without a little Latino heat. And this was just before he got to being Latino heat. Eddie Guerrero will be coming to my roster because I think we need a little bit of cruiserweight action as well as somebody who could even carry a mid-card title, you know, at any point. He was a United States champion in WCW. Mm -hmm. And I I think that Eddie could be that spoiler in that if I ever put him in there with a guy who, like, just off the top of my head, a Triple H and Triple H is injured and I got to get the title off of him. We all know what Eddie did against Brock and winning the world title in WWF, you know. Why couldn't Eddie be my champion at one point down the road? Oh, absolutely. You know? One of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. And in 98, he he was he, he was he was probably probably in my top 3 wrestlers in 98 personally. I agree. Myself um, I can't quite remember when he started, like when he, when he had his car wreck and all that stuff. I can't, in my brain, I can't remember right. exactly when it was. But, I mean, the body of work speaks for itself. I, I've i talked ad nauseum about Eddie Guerrero on this podcast, so people that listen have heard my opinion. So I'm just going to say yes. Good pick, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you very and much. Eddie Guerrero versus Mike Awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You imagine Awesome tries that Awesome Bomb from the top and Eddie turns it into a Hunakan Rana and, like, just slings Awesome across the ring? Mike, pull it off. All right. Coming in next from WCW, another workhorse, but on the face side of things. He is the five-time, five-time. No, I'm sorry. He is the two-time, two-time. WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Self High Five, Diamond Dallas Page. He All right, over big in W in ninety eight. It probably is his most successful year. Well, ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, I know Aaron's going to frown on this decision, but what I will say is, again, looking in 90, 1998 eyes, <laughs> the way wrestling was. How do I, here's how I'll put this. The way that pro wrestling was presented during the Monday Night War era right. was the best time for DDP to get over. Right. Because, it, it, yeah, there were great pro wrestlers and stuff, but if you were going to get over on a gimmick, on a catchphrase, things right. like that, you know, I mean, look, the worm, uh, the, the, the people's elbow. The people's elbow, right. I understand. <laughs> you can say what, Aaron, you can say what you want. Go ahead. No, you're the booker, and that's fine. That if you want him on the roster, and I get that he's over. I just, <laughs> I don't want to say it. Like I would be, if I'm working for the Archie Wrestling Federation. I'm like, okay, I understand why this guy's on the show. But and not to mention, you're forming a harem here, Archie. Because if you pull DDP, you also get Kimberly. Exactly. Oh, 
Exactly. <laughs> He's got you got Francine, you got Sonny, you got Kimberly. Look at Archie, smart fucking businessman right, right. here. Right. <laughs> Kimberly Page. And now you just intrigued Aaron. Now he's willing yeah, to be right. on the DDP, he's on the DDP train now. <laughs> yeah. I'm good with that. But if she's along for the ride, cool. <laughs> but Whoa. DDP, I understand why you want him, but he's the Brutus Beefcake of your roster. Well, that's his, I'm picking next is Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I stayed away from that fucker. <laughs> at this uh, point, at this point, he looked like he had fleas anyway. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know what? I never understood either. Worst beard in wrestling I'm, history. I'm going to go off on a small tangent here. <laughs> he tried to join the NWO when Hogan won the World Heavyweight Title, and they beat the crap out of him and threw him out of the ring. He came out dressed as the Booty Man, but in an NWO shirt, they threw him out of the ring. And then three months later, he comes back as the damn disciple. Like, yeah. Why didn't we just get him to be the disciple right then and there? <laughs> what would have been the difference? <laughs> you know? And I still contest worst beard in wrestling history. I agree. I worse, agree. worse than, worse than uh, the great Antonio's beard. And he was a barber. He should have known how to trim that thing. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to clump the next two names together. Not that they're a tag team, but they always had great matches together in WCW at this time. And on my roster, if I do decide to put together a cruiserweight division, these two are going to be the ones leading the charge. It is the Ultimo Dragon and Rey Mysterio Jr. Can't go wrong there. That's a bang-up combination. Yeah, I mean... Um, I think that... Ultimo Dragon was wildest. Mm-hmm. He was. Other he was coming out in Madison Square Garden. Other than that, he was fucking flawless. <laughs> well, he it, did. Anybody ever perfect two styles better than he did? He perfected not only lucha, but he also perfected strong style. Yes, you know. I mean, he was. He just he perfected both styles. Perfectly, like there's lots of guys that combine styles. You know, Shawn Michaels kind of combined American wrestling with lucha, right. and Bret Hart kind of com- Bret Hart kind of brought American wrestling and then kind of a European style wrestling together. But I don't know if anybody ever melded two styles together better than Ultimo Dragon did. That was the thing about it that I like about Ultimo. He 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 looked like he was he was hitting somebody hard, even if he wasn't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was realism, and you weren't really seeing a lot of that in wrestling at the time. But then you mix that with Rey Mysterio, who was just jumping all over the ring and doing these crazy outlandish moves. You put those two in the ring together at any point in time on your card, whether it be the opener, the mid card, or in the main event, and you had a, a blockbuster night. You know, and I was- and I and I know it didn't happen in '98. I know, or and then I know it was I know it was earlier in '97, but. You guys will probably agree with me as as younger like teenage wrestling fans in the mid nineties wasn't one of the coolest things you ever saw him with all those belts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like God damn it, that's fucking cool. And when with you all those belts, <laughs> when you would see what companies they were from, yeah. it would make you, you like he had a he had the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship, and I remember going, I didn't know the WWF had a Light Heavyweight Division. Wait a second. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> and then he'd have four NWA titles around his waist. And then the, it's like, where are all these belts coming from? What <laughs> company did he win these like, in? I'm just standing there like this. Like, yeah. Draped in gold. It was yeah. just so fucking cool. Video, yeah. but it just been like, yeah, I'm the fucking man. <laughs> you know, and then they brought Liger in and they had a fight for it. It was like every time the belt would, like, the, t- the title would change hands, you'd go, damn, that guy's got to carry around nine belts now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> God forbid and, they won the cruiserweight title in that 10. And I know, I know you said Ray, um, but. I just I got on Ultimo more just because I think we've talked about Ray a lot on the oh, show. Oh yeah, it's, it's so. Ray. You know, Ray needs no introduction, but with Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon, I almost called him Ultimo Guerrero. <laughs> um, you know, it was just there was just something about Ultimo that had a a mystifying look to it. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as a snap suplex looked like he just killed somebody, right? But yet, then he'd get back up and perform a power bomb, and you're like, damn. You know, he was a mixture of so many wrestlers that I, I was already loving that that's what made him cool. Absolutely. You know, and I get my first manager with Ultimo Dragon. I get Sonny Ono, my Sonny first male manager. Although I don't think I'll be using Sonny for anything but a manager. He was quite <laughs> annoying. I wouldn't even use him as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because Aaron's saying that, I will cut Sonny Ono. <laughs> Now, moving on to the WWF portion of my roster. First name being picked up. You think you know him. His name is Edge. A very, very, very young Edge. Yes. Um, Just getting started in the WWF, I think, what, SummerSlam? 98 is when he came in. um, Or a little bit before, maybe. Sable's mystery partner. He just broke Jose Estrada's neck. <laughs> he said he didn't break his neck. He said it before. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah he Jose injured him. Nate, was that Jose Estrada? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. When he went to the dude, uh, fucking Luna Conorana and Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Most of that motherfucker just fucked him up on that. <laughs> <laughs> his debut. Like his debut match, like, oh, you think you know him? You think you know him? And like, Edge is in the subway, and then it's yep. like, first fucking match. Yeah. Fuck. Well, the best part about that story, Aaron, is Edge just said that during the match when that happened, the ref came to him like real subtly, like, hey, kid, I think he's out. Because Jose was knocked out. And Edge just looked at the referee, pulled his hair in front of his face, and went, fuck. Like, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> But you've got you've got um obviously you said earlier thinking about the future. Right. Uh I mean hindsight being twenty twenty, you've got another fuck you got another thirteen, fourteen years out of right. this guy. Right. And it's just getting started. And, and if you and, let him work smart, he doesn't hurt his neck, he doesn't have to retire. Well, I'm thinking about this roster here. Think about a younger Rey Mysterio in the ring with Edge or Ultimo right. Dragon or Eddie Guerrero or Dean, right. I mean, just rattle down the list of names. Chris Candido versus Chris Edge. Chris Candido, exactly. So, exactly. yeah. All right, Archie, who's next on your amazing yes. 1998 roster? Next up on my list, he is an oldie at this point, but a goodie. And I think that when he starts to wind down his career, I can use him as either a agent or booker or my commissioner because he has a lot of experience in that. He is Mrs. Foley's baby boy, Mankind Mick Foley. Yes. Um, 
And you have a lot, just based on the roster that you've presented already, you have a lot of good potential matchups there for him. Right, right. Um, I could definitely see, I'm going back to your triple threat there. I could see them, you know, you could kind of get some mercy heat on Mick. Um, they oh, yeah. They beat the shit it. out of him or something, and then. He's got a history with Shane, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and. To that, like you said, in the future, then you and, and I think that's actually the first time in the history of the We Can't Wrestle podcast that someone used the expression "an oldie but a goodie." I like it. Well, because by in my opinion, by this time, Foley was already in the game twenty years. Yep. Between yep. WCW and, well, and WWF, ECW, you know, and his injuries are starting to slow him down and things right. to that nature. But like you said, you you can use him to put over these younger guys you have on your roster. Right, and then position him or, or move him into a position of, like you said, a, a an on air authority figure or right. anything like that. Yeah, he could even do commentary if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard him talk; he does he does great at it. Mm-hmm. So definitely, Any Aaron. Nope. <laughs> Aaron has no thoughts. Thoughts? Fully. Is I I wouldn't put fully on commentary because I've heard him on commentary and he's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible, but he's a guy that you want on your roster because he's kind of what I said about Dean. He's he's not selfish, right? Mm-hmm. He'll do whatever you need him to do. He'll put over who you need to whoever you need him to put over, and. Like, hey, I'll get that guy over. Yeah, right. And even if you you don't tell him put somebody over, he may pick somebody off your roster and be like, "Hey, I want to work with that guy." Yeah, and give him a great match to have somebody look at him as a star. And you know what he does? He's like a Terry Funk in that respect. He, right. He really did pattern himself after his hero. Yeah. And I mean, just look at look at what Mick Foley did for. I mean, people can say what they want, and so can Hunter, but he made Hunter. And he made, he, he made Randy Orton. And he, he made even Edge. He helped to make Edge, right. I was just yes. about to say that. He and, helped uh, Austin and Rock get over in their feud by being a part of it here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And just segue a bit uh, from Mankind, next up on my list, because he was red hot in 98. The Texas rattled snake Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I mean, will that's be a, in my company. That's a gimme. I mean, how do you have how do you have a roster in nineteen ninety eight? Right. Like, if you would have went through this whole thing and and I'd have never heard that name, I'd have been like Archie Mitchell. Where the fuck was Stone Cold Steve right. Austin? You don't want ratings. You're, you're going to get Austin <laughs> with no Austin. He's at the height of his popularity. Um, I mean. People can say what they want. The, the argument always is who's who's the biggest draw of all time. Is it Austin or is it Hogan? You know, here's the thing. Hogan I always say was, I always say it's over time, right? You know, like yeah, Hogan may over time have drawn more in, but Austin was hotter in a shorter period of time right, than Hogan right. was. Exactly. You know, because it's it's insane to think about this, folks. Austin but, didn't have that long. Yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin's run on top was only about three and a half years long. Right. right. Really. And then you even take out that for most of, of the year 2000, he was injured. Right. 
And yeah, I mean, he really, you know, for the time that he had, the limited time that he had on top, what a success. Yeah. You know, look, uh, yes, Hogan was in the AWA and he wasn't really big there because of Vern Gagne and whatever. But the minute he stepped into the WWE, Vince had him pegged as the main guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had to go through the steps of getting the belt off Backlund and, you know, him beating the Iron Sheik and whatnot. Austin, on the other hand, when he came up from, you know, where he was, you know, with Chris Adams and Von Erichs and everything, WCW, he was starting to get momentum, but they didn't give him enough to play with there. Every time he gained traction, whether it be with the U.S. or the TV or the tag, something bad would happen. Well, they changed the booker. Or, right. you know, get injured or, mm-hmm. you know, and then, okay, fired, got to WWE. It took him two and a half years to get that steam that he needed. Right. But it was the perfect slow burn for him. Yes. So, you know, and ironically, though, Austin will be fighting for my world heavyweight title, and he may even be the world heavyweight champion down the road, but I would not peg him to be the first world heavyweight champion Mm. because for some reason I think Austin chasing the title is a little better than Austin having the title. Right. You know, so, so I have a question I want to pose to you guys just real quick. Go ahead. It's something that I've thought about and I don't know if we've ever discussed it on the show. I don't know if I've ever brought it up or not. If, if Vince isn't up against it Mm -hmm. in the midst of the Monday night wars, in 1996, 1997, does he allow, I mean, I know hindsight 2020, he would probably say yes now because of the success that it was, but not knowing what would happen, does he allow that character to even organically come about like it did? You know what I mean? Like, because he was because he was in that heated competition with WCW, that's when Vince is at his best, and that's also when Vince lets things happen organically that he may right. not have let happen before. If he was if he was on top, so do you think he lets that even? Do you think he lets Austin three sixteen and all that even begin? If, well, because if, it kind of happened. They weren't intending for him to be right. What I he think was. he does. Think so? I think he yeah. does, but he puts a leash on it in that whenever Austin was just about to get to that edge, he'd yank back on it a little bit. Like, for instance, WrestleMania 14, or was it 13, Austin and Shawn Michaels? 14. 14. If if HBK isn't injured, maybe Austin doesn't win the title there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe Vince says, no, keep it on HBK, let Austin chase it. You know, because he did stutter step a couple of times with Austin, the King of the Ring, the Austin 316, you know, promo, and then they let him cool off for a few months, and then he started feuding with Brett again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, winning the Royal Rumble for real, not when he got eliminated and came back in, when he finally won it, even though he was going against uh, Sean, they brought in Mike Tyson as a buffer, and the feud was kind of more Austin and Tyson than it was Austin and Michael. Michaels, so, yeah. You know what I mean? Vince might have been a little afraid to pull the trigger. I think he lets it, and it might... My thought to your question, Nate, might be out of left field. But do you know why I think? What's that? 
I think because watching old school wrestling, um, I think he would have let it happen because he wanted it to happen in like 84 with Dr. Death. Dr. D. Dr. D. Right. Like, like Dave Schultz was Steve Austin before Steve Austin. And I think if, if Dr. D wouldn't have smacked fucking Stossel's around. Right. That's what he was doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and people can say what they want to say about Vince, but I think Vince likes that, um, asshole anti-authority character and like watching the progression of Dr. D to that point where he fucking smacked him around and then he had to he had to stop it you know what I mean right right I I think Vince would have seen I still like what you were asking I if I heard the question right I think I think Vince would have seen the Steve Austin character for what it was and been like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta strap a rocket to this fucking guy. Okay. That's fair. I just, I think it's an interesting question. You know, I just thought it was an interesting question. And you know why? I think it's because that's how Vince looks at himself. Yeah. Or did anyway. Vince looks at the guy that's like, fuck Mm -hmm. you. Fuck you and you the fucking horse you rode in on. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. He he would have done it. What you got next, Archie? Next up on my list, as cliche as it may be, The Rock. Well, I mean, once again, like we said about Austin, if you are looking at uh, 1998 and pro wrestling, it's you have certain guys you just have to have, right? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's, it's talent you can't deny, and uh, The Rock is. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a debate sometimes amongst people of who was was it The Rock or was it Austin? Which one was really the biggest right. star from the Attitude Era? And that's a whole other conversation. But to have him on your roster, I don't <laughs> see how you don't. Well, and here's the funny part: Aaron asked about if Shane was my main heel, and I agreed it would be Mike Awesome, but The Rock is also going to be one of my main heels as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I mentioned, Austin not being my first World Heavyweight Champion, that's why. Because I think The Rock would constantly be stopping or, or Austin's forward momentum and keeping him from getting the belt before he does. I was, and, and, and I agree with you, I was always, always a bigger fan of The Rock as a heel. Heel, yeah. Um, I don't know. Again, I can see where the character translates to being a babyface. Right. But it just, he was always a heel. He was just a heel getting cheered, you know? Right. I mean, he, the character's an asshole. That's essentially what he is. He's an right. asshole. You know, oh, it's the hamburger. It's only the hamburger. You know, it's. <laughs> and, 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 and guess the rock on this roster is an asshole, which he should be. Because The Rock's character's an asshole. Right. And he's not afraid of anybody except one person. Awesome Mike Awesome. <laughs> right. Like, nope. 
I want nothing to do with that guy. Like, right, <laughs> like, maybe, like that's the only guy that the fucking heel rock. Right, maybe even with. buddies up to Mike. Yeah, I was gonna say sucks up to and, him. Like the Rock and, says, Mike is awesome. Right, maybe the he Rock becomes awesome likes mouthpiece a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? You know the the Rock likes Mike. The rock likes Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and coming in next, uh, because. You can't have Bam Bam Bigelow without having this man, in my opinion. They could maybe team up if Candido and Douglas are doing their own thing in the triple threat. Because it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Yes. Vader. He was he was used badly in the WWE at this time, WWF. Well, he was used badly in the WWF for most of his career there. Career, right. You know, All of um, his career. Yeah. Well, maybe and not at first. Other than, at when, he fr- smacked, like, other than the, when he smacked around Monsoon, I liked I liked the angle. I liked the I liked the angle with Yoko. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought they really, really, really did a good job with him until the Michaels match, right. and then the Michaels match, Vince soured on him because Sean's a prick and 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 yep. bitched about him and all that stuff, and then he just got moved down the card. And but you know what I'll say about Leon. Is other than probably, probably right before he left, when obviously you could tell that he was um, in poor shape, probably because he was fucking depressed about his career or whatever. No matter what they did with him, and no matter how poorly they used him, whenever he went in there, he always gave a hundred percent. Yes, you know he was always he was always fucking Vader, and no matter how they were they were presenting him. Between the bell, between the you know, from bell to bell, that's that's his world. That's he can do what he wants to do, and I thought he always did a great job there. And yeah, definitely. And because Vader was managed by him at this time, <laughs> I get Jim Cornette as well. So <laughs> well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you look who won the pony? <laughs> well, I would be putting Jim as one of my commentators. I would also be using him backstage as the booker and agent. Mind you, though, I will be more hands-on than Aaron. I will be a a, a real, you know, I'll be there full-time and doing my own job as well, but I don't want to Vince it, so I'd be you're like Jim be, you're, you're not going to be lazy like Aaron, huh? No, no. <laughs> Aaron was just like, make me money. I do you know? have job. <laughs> I, I, I hired them. <laughs> I was putting... Uh, aces in their places. Uh huh. That's what they say at work. Hey, put aces in their places. If I hear another fucking person tell me put aces in their places, I'm gonna fucking throw myself off the building. Next on my list, so Aaron doesn't throw himself off a building. Hey, can I say what I would do with Vader? Yes. This is what I would do with Vader. I would, um reinvent the wheel of Vader. Vader wouldn't have the um, mask that he had when he went in there. I would have Vader in that goddamn um, like smoking skull mask. The one he had in Japan? The red and black one? Yeah. Yeah. And the the full face mask and all that shit. I wouldn't bring him in in the jockstrap mask. I would no, bring I agree. 
with the full black and red mask covering it. Fucking Mastodon mask. That's what I would do with him. Because that was when he was fucking fire, man. That's what I would do with him. Because the WWE audience, and I know you're not booking like the WWF audience, but what I'm saying is like I would bring him in with what made him fucking badass. Right. Like when he first stepped into WCW. Yeah. That's what I'd do with him. You want shock and awe when he comes to the ring. You don't just want them to say, oh, great, it's Vader again. You want them to go, it's Vader time. And that's mm-hmm. that's the way I'm booking him. Like, he wouldn't even fucking speak, in my opinion. No, I'd have talk. Cornette talking for him. The only thing he'd say is, it's Vader time. That's it. I wouldn't even have him say that shit. <laughs> you know? He's just a badass motherfucker. Next on my list, and it's only because it was 98, and I'm a fan of his, so he got a, a he's got a soft spot spot in my heart. Triple H is my next pick. I wouldn't be critical of that pick at all because um, Hunter is, you know, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand people that shit on him anyway. No, because do I. he was he was he was a he was top guy potential before he even met Stephanie McMahon. Right. He was a he's he's a solid performer. Um, Nate, what I was going to say is going to make you mad. I, well, let me finish just real quick. Okay. I we, I've never seen I've seen Triple H. I guess I've seen Triple H in bad matches because. They, you know, he put himself in a match with, say, a great Kali right. or, you know, the Scott Steiner Cosmo. debacle. Yeah, I've ne- but I've never seen Triple H himself right. be the bad part of it. Does, does what I'm saying make sense? Like, he's never been the bad part of something. Right. He's, he's always been a consistent performer. He always got heat. He he could play babyface or heel. Yeah, he played with the burying people and stuff, and that's just because he was part of the clique, and that's what they did. And yes, he has had some advantages in being married to the boss's daughter. So what? You would too, everybody. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, as his career goes on, I guess time proves, Archie, he could build you a whole other fucking promotion because right. that's what he's done for Vince. Exactly. So obviously, yeah, I mean, Triple H is worth every penny you'd pay him. I wouldn't and. be paying him much because it's ninety eight, but <laughs> you know, Nate, you got a downside. Get a downside guarantee, Hunter. Right, Nate. This is where you're going to get mad at me. Mm. You ready for this? I'm ready. Go ahead. Out of Archie's roster, him picking Triple H, he just picked the Kurt Hennig of his roster. I'll take that as a compliment. I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. <clears throat> like he literally just picked the Kurt Henning of his roster of this guy is going to go out there. He's not gonna be selfish. He's gonna understand what the end game is, and he's gonna have a great fucking match with whoever he's in there with. Right. Mm-hmm. And and he's gonna bump like a fucking champ. Right. Like like Triple H doesn't get enough credit for being a fucking bumping machine, man. Mm-hmm. Like that dude. I'm a Triple H fan, 
okay? Same. And, yes, and, oh and, and not even saying like just his, just his working ability. It was just everything about Triple H I'm a fan of. And I think Tell me a bad Triple H match. I know you just said, oh, Scott Steiner this, Scott Steiner that. Oh, no, but I know. But also, the other thing about Triple H is, okay, he is... I don't know that people that are our age or older... But at a certain point, we get to an age where we forget that shit evolves. Right. We forget that there are younger people than us that like something different than we do. Like I like to bitch and moan and complain about modern pro wrestling. And yeah, to me, it kind of stinks, but to somebody, my son's age, it's, it's a completely different vision for them. It's a completely, they look at these modern wrestling stars. Like we looked at these stars back in the day. So what I was going to say about triple H is my son and this is a testament to Triple H. My son looks at Triple H as we would look at Harley Race or Ric Flair. Flair right. Not not that they're that, that he's better or not that he's even an equivalent, but to another generation, Triple H is the top of his generation. Right. You know what I mean? To the next right. generation. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand people that shit, shit on Hunter. I and again, like I said, I'm not taking away from any of his and, negative and, aspects. And, and, and honestly, probably if Triple H told you, or if you told Triple H, oh man, you're like the Harley Race of your generation, he'd be like, fuck off. I'm right, 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 right. But Harley Race would have yeah. said the same thing if I told him he was the Lou Fez of his generation. Right, like, oh, right. Fez was exactly. better than me. But again, you know. that's you know, there's a there's a, a saying that I've heard over the last couple of years. It's mostly said said to Tom Brady. Um, a goat doesn't say he's a goat. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Race and Flair and now Triple H, they don't agree if somebody tells them that they're just like their right. you know, the older generation's equivalent <clears throat> because they're they're humble. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about being that next person or being the new guy or whatever. It's about what did you give to the business? Where and, guys like Omega, and again, I'm a Kenny Omega fan. I will not ever say I'm not. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Kenny Omega will always say, I'm the best. I, yes, right. and he means it. He's not just mm-hmm. playing a part in, 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 on a wrestling show. And he couldn't He's be more. He couldn't be more fucking yeah. wrong. But anyway, <laughs> but like, how, now, how, how many episodes are we into this? The weekend wrestle. One forty-two. One forty-two. One forty-two. Mm-hmm. Like if you would tell me, um, one. We're at one forty-two. You said yes. If you would tell me at episode five, and tell me at one episode. 37 that I had the best list, I'd be like, nah, I don't think I did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. All right. The final single competitor <laughs> on my list, and this is not because I wanted to leave him as the last because he's not good enough. I thought he deserves to be the last man drafted 
to my company. Mantar? What's that? Was it Mantar? No, it's P.L. Hopper. <laughs> well, at I, this time, at this time, Mantar is wrestling in Germany as, I don't know, Tits McGee or something. Was it in ECW with the Baldies? No, 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 not no. no. I don't think so. He wasn't a baldy, was he? Yes, he was. He was Tank in the Truth Commission. Yeah, but he was also a baldy. No shit. In like 98 or 99, I don't remember. Fucking Mantar was a baldy. I didn't even remember that. For like a month, and then they replaced <laughs> him with, with, with um, Sally Graziano or something. I forgot who it was, but yeah. All right. Sorry. So, we'll so get there eventually in the Reliving the Extreme podcast. Right, right. Um, I feel that this man is, should be my first world heavyweight champion and the leader of my company, backstage locker room. And again, when he is ready to hang up his boots, whenever the time comes, I think that he would do great as an agent and producer, even though he's not doing that right now during his retirement. My last singles draft pick is the man from Death Valley, The Undertaker. Yep. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what do you say? <laughs> you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you you have a roster and the Undertaker's available. Yeah. You like know, you said, yeah. I mean, a, 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 a locker room leader. Right. You know, and he started, this is when he started to evolve the character. So he mm-hmm. just wasn't the, the dead man in the black coat and the hat. He was starting to become a real person to people. He was starting to cut those work shoot pro promos you know he was starting to really show people look yes i am the undertaker but i'm 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 badass without all the makeup and the gimmick right you know and i think that with him as my first world heavyweight champion the collisions with mike awesome shane douglas triple h a heel rock a face austin Hell, mankind and him always killed it when they got in the ring with each other, so mm-hmm. why not? And almost killed each other. And almost killed each other, right. Uh, a feud with Bam Bam or Vader, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can basically have a match with the entire roster and nobody Holy shit. You just made me think of something. What? The t- entire time they were in the WWF together, did we ever see a Bam Bam Bigelow Undertaker match? I don't think so. I don't remember ever seeing Bam Bam versus The Undertaker. I don't think they ever even even hit each other like in a Royal Rumble or something like that. I don't think they ever crossed paths. It was probably on like eh, I don't want I don't want to say anything against it. It it might have been on like one of them like fucking Coliseum home videos or something. I used to watch all those things there, and I don't don't remember that. You know, I don't remember. And the cat even chimed in and said she doesn't think so. Yeah, the cat's like, no. No. You know, but. uh, All right, so. What about fucking Mike Mike Awesome? Awesome Mike Awesome. Against The Undertaker. The Undertaker in a casket match. Right. Holy shit. I I know what I'm watching when we're done here tonight. On YouTube, there is a match from WWF Superstars in 1993 really? that is The Undertaker versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Well, I know what I'm watching as well. Yes. Uh, Maybe we could even have a, have it's a very, episode it's very, about it. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's eight minutes and thirty something seconds long, but that's Bobby watching where we're doing. I, I Sorry, got a feeling it ended in a DQ. Of an eight minute and thirty seven <laughs> second match. <laughs> I, I yeah, hey, it would be our shortest episode ever. <laughs> but I got a feeling that like Undertaker won by DQ. Luna got in the ring and jumped out of the back or something. You know. So now on to my tag teams, mm-hmm. and um. These are based on because in '98, two two or three of these tag teams were finding themselves again, and really not at the height of their careers, but they were still yeah. doing. '98, '98 you know? wasn't a great year for tag teams. <laughs> you could be surprised, actually. Uh, first on my list is the Legion of Doom, because Hawk and Animal. How do you not have them on your roster? And even though Hawk was going through his demons, I think that if he would have been put into the proper rehab and let him come out and do his thing again. I oh, think hey. He could have had a resurgence. How about, is, how about is, this? Is, is how? Animal in his bicycle shorts? No. They're not how, the Legion of Doom 2000. How about this, Archie? As a booker, you might be able to make it so it, Hawk doesn't spiral out of control because you're right. not going to work his bullshit into his story. Right. Anyway. I'm not going to let Darren Drozdov almost murder him off the Titan's yeah. run. I can't believe that was never pointed out in that storyline. That did that Drozdov literally pushed him off the mm-hmm. Titan Tron. But you could Nate, see it plain as day. Nate though, come on, buddy. When we were kids when fucking that shit happened, we were just like, What the fuck is yeah. going on? Yes. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I know yeah. it's a stupid angle and you look at it with like thirty eight year old eyes, but when that happened you were like, What the fuck? Yeah, but even as a kid, I was like, the, the next week when Hulk came back a couple, like a week or two later, he's like, Draz was the pusher man, and he gave me the drugs, but he never said, and you tried to murder me and push me off a of Titan drug. You know and what it I mean? Funny, it, it was funny as shit when the pyro went off and Hawk yep. and his big helmet stumbled around. Yep. It's, it's like funny. it's like I always say, hindsight. When we were living through the Attitude Era, we right. thought it was the greatest shit we'd ever seen. And right. now you look back at it now, and you're like, wow, look at all this scorched earth where we can't plant any fucking crops. <laughs> right. That's essentially what the Attitude Era was. I agree. I agree. All right, go ahead, Arch. Next on the list, and it, I love them. I know you guys love them, too. And we've actually, we're getting to a point when, again, they had a resurgence of their career. Uh, I'm going with Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Good pick. They were back and forth between the WWF and WCW at this time, mm-hmm. but still getting good matches out of teams like the Headbangers, and still having crazy matches with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and they had good <clears throat> matches in that fucking, um, what was it that the oh amusement park that WCW did their shit at? Oh, the 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 MGM. Yeah. Yeah. They had, a, you know. they had like a two-week run where they did good matches in there. Yeah, right. it's funny because no matter no matter how <clears throat> you could watch, excuse me, you could watch them. You could watch the rock and rolls in '86, or you could watch them like me and Aaron did in 2019 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're still just as fucking good as they ever yeah. were. Like 
you know how some guys get older and then their indie match becomes them just like walking around, maybe right. maybe doing their little whatever little gimmick was when they were when they were a big deal and blah blah blah, and then you know five minutes with some local guy and then they put their finisher on him and Ricky and Robert still go out there and have a Ricky and Robert fucking tag team match. Ricky man. Morton can do a Canadian Destroyer, which yeah. it's not a hard move because your opponent just has to do a backflip, but. I mean, he could kill himself. Not his opponent. Mm-hmm. He could kill himself doing stuff like that. You know? It just... They, they still had good... And, but in 98, they were still having quality matches with whoever. And I think a rock and roll versus LOD match wouldn't be bad. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But this is the reason I brought them in. Because the next two are still a little green and need that rub. Um... The next team on my list is the Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. because the TLC really matches, young. you know, Matt and they Jeff were, were were good, and they were they like you said. There's, I mean, they're still super young here. They're still, right. um, uh, I guess, clay you can mold, right. and like you said, you match them up with some of the vet teams to get them some experience, and then. As you move out the veteran teams, you bring in some others, and now you're Hardy. You got your Hardy Boys for, eh, what? At least ten years as a team, and then right. you break them up, and you got singles wrestlers, right? And yeah, always consistent. Maybe even have Jeff put Matt through a barbershop window so it could be like the Rockers again. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. quite frankly, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, we haven't discussed it a lot on the show. We, I guess, we don't talk about the Hardys a lot on the show because I don't think I've ever actually said this. I'm. I was. I am much more a fan of the Hardys together than I am the Hardys as singles. I agree. And I'm not. I'm not shitting on them as singles wrestlers, but I just. I always preferred them as a team over. You know, just they. They have that. They have that great tag team dynamic, kind of like the Steiners. You know, I always preferred Rick and Scott together. Right. I somewhat agree, but I like I like um, Matt Hardy version 2.0. He was fun. Version one, oh. nah. Yeah, the version With one. The Matt Facts are the best part of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shannon, 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 Shannon Moore. That, yeah, that was a, that was a cool little act that's they had what, going that's together. What I'd say. Like I understand what you're saying about them being together. Mm-hmm. And. I enjoy Jeff. I'll say that. I enjoy Jeff Hardy better as a tag team. Well, but because Matt, Hardy would, keep him, Matt would keep him in check when Matt would. Matt, and Jeff were Matt is a single. Matt right. is a single is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Every game he ever did. He's not that good in the AEW right now. He's getting on my nerves, but maybe that's his sure, job. I don't know what he does in AEW because I don't watch it. Well, maybe you but I'm stop saying, watching like, it. <laughs> huh? How are you going to be on if, if you smell what the art is cooking if you don't, don't watch it? Well, I boycotted wrestling for a week. Like, I boycotted all of wrestling for a week because Nick Gage was on it. I was oh. like, I'm not going to watch any wrestling for a week because Nick, because somebody gave Nick Gage a food stamp. So I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. Oh, God. You think you got paid in food stamps? All right, next on my list, because 
because I need a heel tag team, but I also need two badasses to bump up against the Legion of Doom. And I am picking, and as I said, this is one of the only names on the list that I, I actually shared with um, Aaron, Shane Douglas being the other one. Um, I am picking up the Faces of Fear. Magnum oh, yeah. Barbarian. Great pull. And if I had to choose, they would be my first tag team champions. They should be your only tag team champions. Well, yes. <laughs> they should be like the baddest asses motherfuckers on your roster. Well, that's the like, whole thing of it, right. They had, like, Nate's chair or whatever. It's freaky as shit. That's my dark. Okay. There was a cricket. <laughs> yeah, I'm outside now, so there are crickets. What? Um, there is a spot, okay, that the dungeon, of, the dungeon, of, the faces of fear did. That was fantastic. Backdrop into the power bomb. Oh yeah, and they fucking, had it finally. Fucking too, Mang, too. Mang didn't give a shit who they nope. would be, who they would be wrestling. Mang. Would just flip a motherfucker, a barbarian, and just like catch him, catch him, and li- then lift him up, and just catch him. And fucking Barb caught him every goddamn yep. time. It didn't matter if it was fucking Rocco Rock, Johnny Grunge, yep, the Steiner Brothers, the Steiner Brothers, or whatever. They just yep. would fucking fling him and be like, catch him, Barb. Yep. And Barb caught him every fucking time. And then pull a deadlift. That was the whole... He would pick yeah. up dead weight and just... Yeah. Fucking That's why I'm picking him. Because in 98, if there was no Outsiders, if there was no NWO, I think the Faces of Fear would have been much bigger in WCW. Yeah. Like, you know. um, Nate was talking about the Heroes and, and Legends signing. The fucking Powers of Pain were there. Right, and I wanted to get an autograph from the barbarian, but guess why I didn't? Why? I was intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Like I was like, barbarians, intimidating. Like I don't <laughs> want to talk to that guy. Like, even when he tried to like make eye contact, I was like, nope. Like I'll make eye contact with Oscar and make fun of. <laughs> Make fun of his the diabetes from his feet. Well, yeah, but you and Oscar are giving each other the stink eye. Yeah, like I'll give the Oscar the stink eye all day, but Barbarian looked at me. I was like, nope. I will agree with with Mang and Barbarian, but I will say this: if I have any creative, if I have any creative influence in your promotion, Archie, mm-hmm. I would definitely. To me, and you can tell me if you think I'm off base here. I think it would be cool to have your dominant heel faction managed by Jim Cornette of Vader and the Faces of Fear. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I mean, who's going to get the belts off these guys? There right. you go. There's your, there's your story right off the bat. These guys I got like all the it. belts. Who's going to get them off of them? Right. Ultimo Dragon? Well, see, there's the there's a, the, the good storyline there. Taker wins the first title. He's celebrating on Raw the next night. Vader comes out to attack him. Taker gets the upper hand, and then why the hell are the faces of fear coming to the ring? They bombard the Undertaker and take him out, and Jim Cornette's like, Cam Cornette's in business, you know? Yeah. 
There you go. So, <laughs> Look at that. We booked it. We booked it, yep. <laughs> better than Tony Khan. Oh, million times better than Tony Khan. Better than <laughs> Eric Bischoff, too. <laughs> and then Muda comes out and sprays them all. Yes, yes <laughs> because at this time, Muda still would have been around spraying everybody. Oh, the Aaron Federation has invaded. Oh, God. Well, we do. We would do a better invasion angle than WWF did. <laughs> Anybody could do that. Like Muda sprays them all, and then it goes. <laughs> I don't know why it's the BWOs. Yeah, <laughs> music, but it's better. So wait, it's Muda, Stevie, the Blue Meanie, and Supernova. Yeah. I like spraying everybody. <laughs> We're blue men. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The blue world order is taking over, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Next up on my list, because they have always been one of my favorite tag teams. Uh, definitely in my top five. Booker T and Stevie Ray, the Harlem Heat. Mm-hmm. And again, you get they sure. were. Yes, I get Sherry. I get Sherry, but I don't want Colonel Robert Parker because those two together were not good. Oh, come on. I wish you didn't want Colonel Robert Parker. No, no, no. He's on my if I was, you can't take if, I, if I was getting a Bunkhouse Buck or a Dirty Dick Slater or even a Mike Enos, yes. But when he was with the Harlem Heat, they were just he was just annoying with Sherry. Oh, man. My you fried know? pie. You gotta love that shit, man. I love I love I like him, Colonel man. Robert Parker. <laughs> uh, but I could see the Harlem Heat uh, again if there was no NWO at the time. Harlem Heat, even though they won ten tag team titles, but I just think that they would have been bigger in WCW, and maybe wouldn't have been torn apart the way that they were if there was no NWO. Mm. And with my federation, I would be booking them heavily in the tag team title division. You know, because the Faces of Fear and Harlem Heat actually always produced great matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. And I think, I know a lot of people, like, obviously love Booker T, which they should. Because Booker T was awesome. But, but I love Stevie Ray, too. Yeah, Stevie Ray wasn't the um, worker of the group. but He, he was the enforcer. Yeah, and and he was a great character. Yep. Like Stevie, he yeah. he, he was definitely he like was cut a great promo and he was the anvil. Had a good presence about him and all right. that shit. See what they he, just said. He was he the was anvil. the he was the anvil to Booker's yeah. hitman. Yeah, right. But see, if you remember the whole Booker T, we're coming to get you, Hogan's. You know. Promo, yeah. but that was back when Booker was still being very dirty and street, and you know what I mean. And then Booker started to mellow out and cut these real babyface calm promos. Stevie stood in that heel gimmick even when they were faces. Mm-hmm. He still was all about. I'm getting you, sucker. I'm coming for you. You know what I mean. Yeah. Then he started using the slapjack and taking people out without Booker knowing. So. It's it's a good storyline of them fighting for the tag belts, and then maybe when they don't get there, Stevie turns on Booker, you know, yeah. instead of them just dissolving as a tag team for a little while, right? You know, yeah. <coughs> and you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't ever put him with Clarence yeah. Mason and Ahmed Johnson. No, no, no. 
<laughs> no, and definitely not with uh, what was the guy's name? It was Big T. That Clarence was Ahmed. Mason, and then there was the really, really big fat guy that came with the no limit soldiers. Uh, 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 swole, big swole. Yeah, swole? he was swole and, for sure. Yeah. What did they? What did they call Clarence Mason? Jay Biggs was that Jay his? Biggs, yep. Yeah. God, that was fucking stupid. Anyway, <laughs> all I remember about Big Swole was he couldn't walk. He was so big. He, I mean, look, I'm I'm a heavy set guy. I waddle a little bit, but this guy literally couldn't take more than four steps without stopping and breathing heavy. You know, I was like, why? Why would you even hire this guy? Who's supposed to be afraid of him? You know? <laughs> all I got to do is get a foot away from me and coming at me. Yeah, he's many limits, soldier. Yeah. yeah. All limits. <laughs> All limits, soldier. <laughs> so round us out, Archie. Who is your last team in your wrestling organization? Yes. Well, by this time, they were already making their way to the WWE, but they were still in ECW. And <clears throat> for the sheer downright hardcore factor, because they then developed into an incredible tag team. I am picking the Dudley Boys. And this is not Little Snod and Big Dick and, you know, Dances with with Dudley and, you know, Dudley Dudley. This is Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. And you get Joel Gertner. I'm letting let you have Joel Gertner because I love Joel me some, I, was, I love I me some gold Joel, Joel Gertner. Gertner. I was taking Joel Gertner, and he <laughs> is going to be my ring announcer. Ah, there you go. So you won't just be ring announcing for the Dudley Boys; you'll be ring announcing for everybody. The ladies call me Fred Flintstone because I make, make their better Gertner. So, <laughs> in the grand scheme of everything, I've got Cornette booking. I've got the TNA factor with Tammy, Francine, um, but one other woman that is Sherry. Um, She's the old guy. That's good. Sherry was still good looking, though. Oh, I'm not saying nothing about I've got future bookers. I got future bookers and agents coming down the pipeline of DB. And I already have my world heavyweight champion picked out, tag team champions. And a secondary champion, if need be, if I decide to introduce one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Because we are with three different companies, their major stars coming in. Welcome to Crossroads Championship Wrestling. Say it again. Crossroads Championship Wrestling. CRCW. That works. I like it. Live from Cherry Hill. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your your world champ? The Undertaker. Tag team champs? The Faces of Fear. TV champ? Shane Douglas. Commentators? Jim Cornette and myself. Archie and James E. I like it. (laughs) And your stick man. You mean my my ring announcer? Your interviewer. Oh, my interviewer. It would still be Joe Gertner. He'd be a jack of all trades. You know who I think you should use as your interviewer? Who? Joey Styles. Uh, If I have Joey, I'm going to want him on the commentary desk, and I don't think him and Jim Cornette would get along. True, true. So, So... 
but I like it. You know I'll... what? I got it. Okay. I'd make, I'd make Tammy my interviewer backstage. That works. She knows how to handle the stick. Right. Exactly, Aaron. <laughs> and in all, in, in all seriousness, she was always good at that kind of stuff. Exactly. Said Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> well, Archie, I like your 1998 roster. Thank you very much. I'm going to watch Crossroads Championship Wrestling. What about you, Aaron? Aaron? You tuning in? I'll watch it. <laughs> I want to see, I see um, that action with Tammy working the stick. <laughs> comes from it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> All right. Not 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 being gross. I'm serious. I I think that's a good roster. Um, and I think growing from it. Like, do you know what would be a great a great match out of your roster? And it could be like a serious like. <clears throat> Match to match feud, and I know I know you guys don't like fifty fifty booking, but this could be a good fifty fifty booking. Go feud. for it. Fifty fifty booking is fine when it's not everybody, right? This would be a great fifty fifty booking feud. You know what it would be? Chris Candido and Ultimo Dragon. I like that. God damn! I like Watching that. Those guys wrestling for like. Eight weeks in a row would be fucking. Right. Yeah, but then I need Ono because he can come back to Tammy. Yeah, but <laughs> but she'd be beating the hell out of him in the corner. That would be the only difference. Yeah, well, and he'd end up paying you, right? You know what I mean, right? It... <laughs> <laughs> like Sonny, the talent would be paying you because it's like, hey, Sonny, I was like fucking. Somebody's <laughs> beating me off in the corner. I'll pay you, buddy. Well, we lost Archie. <laughs> the Booker is gone, but that's okay because we're we're wrapping up anyway. Yeah, oh, there he is. He's back now. There you are. All right. Yeah, I don't, don't know what the hell happened. That's all right. He we're wrapping up. Okay. Wrapping up anyway. All right. Um, uh, Sonny doesn't care if you wrap it up. <laughs> She'll take Jesus. <laughs> Archie's roster has become a hit piece on Tammy Sitch. <laughs> Archie, good job. Thank you, sir. And uh, do you guys have anything else to say before we sign off this week? I just know that next week, folks, I can tell you this. It's going to be one of two rosters, depending on, you know, because our, our, our friend, our esteemed friend, Mr. David Gold, is a busy man. Yes. So if he can be uh, with us next week, we will hear his roster from 1999. If not, we will just go ahead and do my roster from 1993. So that so will be what you can is- check out Rest- WrestleNet Radio. Like I said, if you have not, why not? It's 24-7, 365 Wrestling Talk. Check out Reliving the Extreme, the uh, ECW podcast with the real star, Mr. Chad Austin, and... I mean, on, on WrestleNet Radio, check out If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. Yes. Check out Slice of Time. Check out The Year That Was. And check out the episodes that are going to be coming soon to from the Tornado Tag Podcast as well. Yes. We've worked out a deal with them. Their episodes will be airing 
on WrestleNet Radio. It just keeps growing, and we're happy to have you along. So thank you for joining us, everybody, this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we will see you next time around with another dream roster on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Good night, everybody. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin' Out Media, all rights reserved.